Hey everybody, D Williams here and you are listening to episode number 21 of the Staffing Startup.tv podcast. Let's get fired up. Welcome to StaffingStartup.tv, the podcast that gives you direct access to the world's leading recruitment, staffing, and startup experts. Dee Williams speaks with amazing thought leaders, venture capitalists, and technology trendsetters about their journey, challenges, and successes related to recruitment, staffing, and hiring. Now, here's your host, Dee Williams. Hey, everybody, this is Dee Williams, and welcome to the StaffingStartup.tv podcast, where we get fired up about recruitment and staffing. That's right. This podcast is all about the ins and outs, ups and downs, and all arounds of finding and nurturing and securing exceptional talent for companies all across the globe. And today, we're diving into one of my favorite segments, Driven Insights. That's right, where we talk to thought leaders about recruitment, hiring, and recruitment's leadership practices that will help staffing entrepreneurs support their clients and candidates more effectively and grow their businesses. And today, I am super happy to have here with us Scott Wintrip, who is the author of the book, High Velocity Hiring, How to Hire Top Talent in an Instant, which I just have to say really quickly, one of my favorite books. Me too. Um, <laughs> <see>? <laughs> um, it was also named a must-read book by Sherm's HR magazine, which is really huge. Staffing industry analyst also named Scott one of the world's most one hundred one of the world's one hundred most influential leaders in staffing. Sorry about that. I humbly welcome Scott Wintrip. Scott, how are you? Thanks so much for being here. I am thrilled. D after your enthusiasm and introduction, I'm like, okay. <laughs> We're going to have a great conversation. I knew this beforehand, but I'm like psyched. So I'm ready to go. And you've infected me with your enthusiasm. (laughs) So thank you. I'm really honored to be your guest. And thanks to all in your community who are watching. Uh, We're going to help as much as we can today. Yes. Like just inspire the world, impact the world in a major way. That's what it's all about, right? (laughs) Amen. Okay, so Scott, like I'm a huge fan of you and your work and your philosophy around hiring not having to be a hassle, right? Hiring doesn't have to be a hassle. I've heard you say that a thousand times. Mm, but mm. can you tell my listening audience just a little bit about you? Who is Scott Wintrip? <laughs> oh, he's an interesting character. Um <laughs> Uh, as you're going to find out, I've got an irreverent sense of humor, which is why I know we're going to get along so well. I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm a 30-year veteran of the industry. Um, I, I did not plan on this like a lot of people. I was uh, a music major in college. And how I found myself on the staffing path, on the recruitment path, was I walked into a staffing office one day, candidly, for beer money. A friend of mine was working in a dis- distribution center had a really simple job, got paid every week, and he was buying beer, and he was tired of buying us beer, so some of us had to step up. And as I sat across the desk from the woman uh, in the staffing firm, she looked at me at one point, and she said, have you ever considered a job in this industry? And I remember my response, I, I went, this is an industry? <laughs> it boggled my mind that selling the services of people to other people was an industry. Mm-hmm. 
And that planted a seed. Uh, I was not real happy closing myself up in a practice room every day for four hours. In fact, I chose not to. I got in trouble a lot. I was too social for that. I loved this idea of helping companies with the most important asset they have, their people, and helping people with one of the most important parts of their lives. So that launched my career in staffing. I didn't go work for that staffing firm, but I got to work with three different staffing firms. I was an owner of a staffing firm. And in 99, I founded this consultancy. And uh, it was to help take the hassle out of hiring. It's to help staffing firms do a better job at delivering talent more quickly and to help companies hire more quickly and better use staffing. And so uh, next year will be 20 years. And uh, I've worked with companies all over the world. And uh, I, I, if you can't tell, I, I love what I do. Every day I get to talk and work with passionate people like you. You know, most of the people in staffing care about people. Yeah. They care about their careers. They care about the kind of talent the companies have. So what a joy for somebody like me who loves people and loves to help people with this important part of their lives. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And it's so rewarding to be able to talk to someone who is just as passionate as myself, because I get teased pretty aggressively for this energy that I bring around the topic of recruitment and staffing. And um, so it's really cool to see somebody else that's passionate. So I want to dive in so many things I want to talk to you about. I, I don't even know where to start. I think the first thing is like, I want to talk a little bit about the book, because this book... I was telling you before, um, it really touches on my thought process. Like you and I are in sync a million percent. You just got a chance to write it out before I did, right? And so I, I am a lover of all things that you said. I don't think it was anything in the book that I disagree with. But can you tell my audience, like, what is high velocity hiring and how does it differ from the traditional hiring process that a staffing mm. agency and or corporate company may may use? So how this differs is all about the timeline. Okay. So if you think about the old way of hiring and the old way of staffing. It's keeping a job open until the right person shows up. The old way of hiring is one of the reasons why time to fill hit an all-time high, the all-time high of the past 15 years. And think about that. I mean, Dee, that, that's stunning. You think about all the technology, all the resources, all the smarts we have, and hiring takes longer than ever, but the rest of the world has gotten faster. We can buy, rent, use, or pretty much get anything now or moments from now in this on-demand economy, but hiring is the contradiction. So high-velocity hiring is about the new way of hiring and staffing. Instead of keeping a job open until the right person shows up, the new way of hiring, high-velocity hiring, is you cultivate top talent and you wait for the right jobs to show up. It's not if jobs are going to open, it's when. So this book... This process helps people plan for the win. That's either a staffing firm who wants to better serve their customers or corporations who want to fill one, several, or all of their jobs the very instant that they open. You talk about talent inventory in here. And for <clears> me, <throat> this book is, I know that, that high velocity hiring can be used on a direct hire basis and on a contract basis. But when I think of the book, I really think of passive um, finding passive talent to some degree. Mm. It's very passive focus, which is something that I love. And you talk very aggressively about building your talent inventory in this book. And I'm telling you, the moment I got to that chapter, I jumped up out of my seat and was like, yes, somebody oh, cool. gets it, right? 
<laughs> and you know, I my whole philosophy around supporting recruitment, so really supporting the staffing industry, is that I feel the industry is about to go through a major shift, and everybody is really agreeing with that Absolutely. part, right? Um, yeah. We're very commoditized, and I feel like the niche is going to decommoditize a lot of the different areas that we have out there. So I'm pushing, you know, if you're going to come into this industry and you're going to start a staffing agency, it needs to be niche focused. Don't go back into the generalist space. That's going away. You need to go into this niche focus. But if you're going to do that, there is a process. I call it the niche solution, but there is a process. And that process involves pipelining, which you call talent inventory. I call it old school pipelining, right? But it's about diving into a niche space, knowing the talent within that niche space, and then being that competitive advantage from that perspective, you're, you're providing more support. So in your book, you really dive into talking about building this talent inventory, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here, because I wanted my people to hear it from your mouth. Like, tell me a little bit about uh, the process of building your talent inventory and why it's so important. So I, I'm going to tell you and everybody about talent inventories, but I have to take an aside and tell you I feel like we're in church today. I got to be honest with you because there's this part. And so I'm just going to do what I'm feeling every now and then. I, I said amen a few moments ago, but I wanted to say hallelujah and tell it sister because because D, you are speaking from the true pulpit of staffing right now. And I know that's really cheesy. And yes, this is not a religion or, and I'm not trying to be sacrilegious in any way. This is a belief system yeah. that we have to have. Yeah. And, and you know, yes, a religious belief system, a belief in something bigger than you, a higher power. God, I know that's very different. And I have one of those beliefs. So I mean, no disrespect yeah. in saying a religion. What I what I do believe, though, is when somebody speaks the truth, a part a, a belief system, we got to shout it from the mountaintops and sing hallelujah. Hey, so that's why I, I'm just going to say hallelujah from now on. <laughs> and this idea about the talent inventory, you hit it. It is not a new idea. I didn't invent pipelining. I refined it as a process. And for me, it started back when I was a search consultant back in the beginnings of my career. We were specialized in IT technology. And so I built talent inventories. Every day I recruited at least two or three new people who could be deployed. Sometimes they were happy. They just wanted to be happier. Mm -hmm. Other times they were actively looking. But I recruited people. My goal every time I took an order on the phone from a buyer who had an opening was at the end of taking that order, I would tell them about one two or three people at the end of that conversation who could fit. I then had the goal of setting up the interview right then and there, because if I get off the phone and my people are lined up for interviews, my competitors are still looking for talent. I'm going to fill that customer's order faster. Their job's going to be filled. Somebody's going to have a new job. I've made a placement. Everybody wins on this. So now that was 30 years ago that I started doing that. That's before technology. We didn't have computers at that point. You know, when I walked 10 miles to work in the snow and okay, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) But you were using the fax machine. Do you remember when fax machines came out and we were just like. I I remember when they came out and our first fax machine was that long ribbon of paper. There's people watching this right now going, damn, they're old. Or I don't know what they're talking about. You know, so today. A talent inventory is easier. Why is it easier? We have resources we didn't have 30 years ago. So to explain talent inventories to all of you listening and watching, it's this simple. 
It is the equivalent of having a set of shelves and storing people up on those shelves until you need them. In fact, one of my big jokes has been to staffing firms around the world, I'm working on the cryo-freeze facility for you. Yes. Because but if you get the candidates and you can freeze them until you need them, your competitors can't get them. Well, cryo-freezing kills people, so that's not a good idea. But the next best thing is you can have a virtual set of shelves for one, two, three, maybe four or five, depending on the number of people in your firm who are ready to go. They are ready to hire. They are ready to place. They are ready to set up for interviews. And, and just like Macy's keeps their shelves stock or Walmart or any store, that's your job. You build the set of shelves. You keep it stocked. You keep restocking it on a daily basis. And, and it's it's planned, it's, it's different than, you know, some people D may be thinking, well, this sounds like a, a lot like a hot list. Well, a hot list is kind of like the dollar store. You know, the dollar store buys whatever it can get cheap, whatever it's coming its way and puts it on the shelf and hopes people will buy it. That's what, what a hot list is. It's whoever happens to come along that you may be able to place. Right. Talent inventory is different, and notice my word inventory. It is a planned inventory with a set number of people that you keep on the shelf at all times so that when an order comes in, you can place one, two, or three people into that order to start on the job or assignment, or one, two, or three people who are interviewing with that customer immediately. Because mm -hmm. when the customers need those people, they needed them yesterday. So we need to have them today, and that's what the talent inventory does. And this is perfect for my staffingpreneurs that are just starting because one of the things that um, I've noticed when I get my intake calls is that people assume when you're starting a staffing business, the first thing you want to do is go out and get good clients. And that is like the absolute last thing you want to do. First, that's not the first thing you want to do. The first thing that you want to do Hallelujah. is to pipe line. And yes. the reason why you want to pipeline is not just so that you'll have an inventory, which we do need, but also your pipelining because that those group of people will now work on your behalf. And I think that's the part that people don't understand. If you have the ability to pipeline and to build a solid relationship with someone, then they become your your marketing tool as well. So when you have that job opening and, and nobody in your pipeline or your inventory fits, you can just dive into, um, you know, reach out to your network. Hey guys, I have this opportunity. Oh, can you get out there and talk to your network and see? And then you have more than instead of you being the only recruiter, you have tons of people recruiting and selling right. or whatever on your behalf. The talent pipeline is imperative inventory, having a talent inventory is imperative. All of these things are imperative. So I'm super excited Amen. that you're talking about that. So Amen. Scott, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the talent inventory because um, there's a question that a lot of staff, staffingpreneurs have around this talent inventory. And I want to talk to you about that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Attention all technologists, recruiters, and HR professionals, telecommunications, finance, engineering, and healthcare professionals who have a passion for entrepreneurship and a passion for people. A major economic crisis is happening all over the world and is reported by 2030 the demand for skilled workers will outstrip supply, which will result in a global talent shortage of more than 85.2 million people and $8.5 trillion of unrealized revenue. This is a major economic problem to be solved, and there's still time to make an impact. With the $429 billion global industry of recruitment and staffing, you can create your own business model that will help companies realize their unrealized revenue by supplying a niche set of skilled people. 
You will also have the ability to help hundreds, if not thousands of people, prepare for work and land new job and career opportunities. Expand on the idea and let Identifies Consulting show you how you can bring your idea to life. Get you up to speed on the current business model and trends. Help you add your own twist. Get your business set up, launched, and earning revenue. Visit IdentifiesConsulting.com or call 866-432-8801 today. What are you working on and what's your mission? So welcome back to StaffingStartup.tv. I'm Dee Williams, and I'm here with author, chief advisor, and strategist for the recruitment industry, Scott Wintrip. And first of all, who's freaking amazing. He's I've giggled more during this podcast, I think, ever. <laughs> And um, and we are really vibing over here and we're talking about his book, High Velocity Hiring, which if you do not have a copy, you must go get a copy now. I will put the link in um, the box below. Also, if you're watching live on YouTube, you'll see the cover so you don't make any mistakes about which book you're purchasing, okay? Um, and then you get to also check out Scott live and see, and you get to see his energy as well as feel it. So before we went to break, Scott and I was talk. We were talking about building a talent inventory and just how imperative that is today. And Scott, when I have this conversation with my staffingpreneurs and they have like launched their business and they're in the pipelining phases. First of all, they're antsy because you know first they really want to go and get clients, right? And I'm like, you better not. You better start out with your candidates first. And so now they're on the phone. They're saying, but I have no job orders, D. You know, mm. so I they don't want to talk to me because I don't have a job order. Now I I'm gonna I'm not gonna tell you how I respond to that, but coming from you, um, what would you suggest to someone who's looking to build a talent inventory, but may not be starting off with an a specific job order to um to go off of initially? This is the most frequent question I get from staffing and recruitment pros about the talent inventory. How do I sell opportunity when I have no opportunity? Right. Well, you have two choices. One is a good choice. One is a bad choice. Okay. So let's start with the bad choice. The bad choice is to lie. Lie, <laughs> cheat, and steal. Talk right. about the super job, the company right. that doesn't exist, and recruit right. people that way. Right. Now, the, the bad news about that, for all of you in the U.S. anyway, that is an illegal practice called bait and switch. Wow. Uh, and uh, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. And, and let's put getting a lot of trouble inside. That's if you get caught. It's unethical. I was going to say why that. this industry, one of the reasons why this industry has a black eye. So yeah. let's not go there. Yeah. Let's go to the good practice instead. And let's talk about the fact that you as a recruitment professional, you are an agent to the stars. So you work in IT. You work in creative. You work in light industry. I don't care what the industry is. I don't care if this is temp, temp to hire, contract, full time. You are an agent. Just like I had a literary agent who helped me get my book and get my book deal out there, you are an agent for one of the most important parts of people's lives. Now, with that mindset, be the agent. Identify your market. D, I love what you said. Let's not go get the orders right away until we have the talent. The talent is what gets us the orders. We've got to have people to represent, just like my agent had to, had to have an author to represent before he could go to the publishers. So you have to have people to represent, but you, you do need to know where you're going to represent them. So you make a list. You identify the list of companies that you've decided that you're working with. Ideally, that's a double or triple digit number. 
Now, when people say to you, well, I get lots of calls from recruiters. Some of them don't have anything. I'm only going to talk with you if you actually have a job available. So tell me what you got. All right. Here's what you say. You say, you know what? I have lots of opportunity available. I work with X number of companies. That's your list. Right. And I don't have two or three hours to tell you about all of those companies. I doubt you have that as well. However, if you take a few minutes and answer a few questions, I can tell you which of those companies I think may potentially be a good fit. Right. Total truth, simplicity, you're an agent, and it changes the dynamic. Because think about this. You know, um, if you actually do have orders right now, is that something you really want to share with a complete stranger? Right. No, that's proprietary information. So even if you have those opportunities, not a good idea to share them until you know that person because it's proprietary. This agent mentality is the absolute simple way to go because it positions you as an agent to a star. And that star on the other end immediately goes, oh, wait, this guy's different. Or if they don't see that D, they've failed an intelligence test. Because if I'm talking to somebody and I have 72 companies that I work with and they're some of the best companies in the area and this person has no interest in that, I have no interest in them. Exactly. Exactly. And so so your approach is so similar to mine, which I love. And I'm going to share mine. Not surprised. So... <laughs> I know, right? So I tell them, first of all, I tell them, do not lie. That's the first thing that I say always, never lie. Um, Amen. The, the, what I say is this, and it's very similar to being an agent. I tell them, you are a matchmaker. You are um, an investigator. You are the Olivia Pope of your agency, right? <laughs> or the James Bond or whoever you want to be, right? You are that key person and you're the middleman in between your candidates and your clients. You have to be able to support both ends of the spectrum. And so when you're talking to this candidate, the idea is to let them know, be honest and say, hey, you don't have to say I don't have any job orders, but you can say, hey, listen, we have something coming through the pipeline, a thousand percent true. And we are anticipating that that to come in, you can say something like that. But what we're doing is we're connecting with talent who we think may be a fit for the things that we're working on in the near future. So my job today is to learn a little bit more about you and your career goals and where you want to be. And then we can come back together as things come along through my pipeline. So something to that degree. But I'm always telling them to be honest. I'm always telling them to take that middleman route. Very similar with, to what you're speaking about the agent. I love the literal. Liter literary agent example, which is different from dating. So I like that. I'm going to use that, Scott, just so you know. <laughs> and um, and so, yes, yeah, so same thing. So staffingpreneurs, listen, pipelining is imperative. Get your talent inventory together. We'll be right back. HR leaders are under more pressure than ever to deliver high quality people related solutions quickly and effectively. And Identifies Consulting is your number one strategic play when it comes to hiring entrepreneurial recruitment and HR talent. You can build the right team for the business when you hire true business partners in recruitment and HR. Learn more at IdentifiesConsulting.com. That's I-D-E-N-T-I-F-I-Z-E Consulting.com. Or call 866-432-8801. Welcome back to StaffingStartup.tv. I'm Dee Williams, and I have here with me my amazing guest, Scott Wintrip. And we're talking about high-velocity hiring and, you know, and, and 
I want to ask you a question, Scott. I saw somewhere, and like I said, I follow you on a lot of things that you do. I, you know, as I'm talking to my startups, they're looking to hire their first salesperson. And somewhere I saw that you were talking about how to hire salespeople who know how to sell. Can you talk to mm. me and talk to my audience a little bit about what that looks like? Because I think that is once they're ready to sell and they realize this is where I want to be, hiring that person is always a challenge, especially for newbies. Yeah, this is one of my my favorite questions of all time on the sales side because great sales starts with having the right salespeople. So how do you pick the right ones? You're going to love this, Dee. So we all learned how to hire great salespeople back in kindergarten. Okay. Kindergarten. Now, what did all of us do at either kindergarten or somewhere around there? We participated in an activity called show and tell Mm -hmm. in that order not tell not tell and show it's show and tell if you think about most interviews it's a whole bunch of tell the candidate tells you why they're a fit for a job the candidate does the what i call the tell sell and swell they tell you what they think you want to hear they sell you on the best parts of their background and they try and swell your ego and then we wonder why when they show up on the first day they're not a fit Well, they told us the good stuff and not necessarily the bad. That'd be just like in show and tell, tell instead in kindergarten, the little kids tell each other about the great new puppy or great new toy or nobody's going to be paying attention. Zero credibility. A picture is worth a thousand words. So that's why show and tell. If you want to figure out, can a salesperson sell or not? Don't ask them to tell you, ask them to show you, show me how you sell. So here's what you do. You could do it on the phone, you could do it in person. You ask them to sell to you. Could be staffing, could be whatever they're used to selling. Then you tell them what you'd like them to do better. That's the show and tell. And then you ask them to do it one more time. Now why? Well, number one, you get to see the real person in action versus what they tell you they can do or not. But also you see how coachable they are because every person we hire, no matter how skilled they are, has to fit into our company. We have to be able to tell them how we do things. We have to tell them our way. We have to show them our culture. So they need to be coachable. They need to be able to take feedback. So show and tell as an interviewing method does that. When I started doing this in my own career back in the 90s, I went from about a 50-50 success rate with the salespeople I hired to 95 plus percent of the salespeople I hired consistently worked out. My clients are the same way. People who do the show and tell, they get candidates to demonstrate their skills, have infallible proof whether or not that person fits the job. How do, okay, so that's great for sales, but now I got to step away from sales and go to the last sentence that you just made. How do you especially when you start talking about these uh, high impact industries, right? Or highly skilled industries. How do you get somebody to show what they can do or what they have done without it crossing the lines of what's proprietary and what's not? The key is sample work. Okay. Sample work. So we, we've got two considerations that you're hitting on is one, we, we don't want to have them touch anything that's proprietary. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to have to pay them because if we have them do real work that has real value, we have to pay them. That's the law. So sample work. So 
I can have somebody work on a mock sales project. I can have a recruiter fill a job that's been filled previously with sample candidates. So they're not working it for real. I can have a leader that I'm interviewing for a branch manager role, for example, lead a strategy session or lead a mock strategy session or lead a sample disciplinary conversation. Uh, I do this all the time. I do tons of interviews for my clients. So one of my clients is in healthcare staffing. They narrowed down their search to two leaders. So with these two leaders, I had them do two sample conversations with me. In the first conversation, I was an employee being disciplined and they were having to demonstrate how they would do that. Mock conversation though, based on a real scenario that I'd seen in the past. The second conversation was a dissatisfied client. It was a real scenario from two weeks previous that I'd heard about. I just brought it into this simulation. I behaved just like the client did and I allowed that, that leader to demonstrate how they would as a leader step in and solve that problem. When I got done, it was so clear and obvious which of the two was the better candidate. That was a couple months ago. They've since hired the woman that I told them was the better hire. She, she is so often running so fast, she's just blazing a trail through this firm because they picked the right person because she proved to me she was an absolute fit for what they needed because she showed me. So that that is great. And and I, I first of all, I love that because that's where I think interviewing needs to go, period. That's where you have that's where I feel like you are really um, because think about all the people that are hiring without doing that. Most people I know don't ever do that unless it is somewhat of like a sales position. So if everyone did that for all positions, things would be totally different. I, I'm a little blown away by that because I never thought to have them to actually show and tell, kind of do like a simulation during the interview process or the sample work. So that that is freaking phenomenal. Um, you're going to be at ERE in Orlando in October talking about high velocity interviewing. You want to talk a little bit about that? Are you excited? Yeah, I am. Well, I just gave everybody a bit of a preview because we're going to nail this. In fact, I'll give you the sneak peek. I'm going to talk about dating. And if you think about it, dating, engagement, and marriage are a lot like, well, healthy dating, engagement, healthy. and marriage <laughs> are like quality hiring. Yeah. Now, you, you said something a moment ago that's so important. So many people don't do this. It's the equivalent of rather than, you know, dating somebody and getting to know them, maybe even shacking up, moving in together. You just talk about what it would like to be in a relationship together. Talk about your goals. Talk about what it would be like to be married. Talk about the things you would or wouldn't do. And then you get married. How's that going to work You're out? You're way nicer it's than me. It's not going to work out. You're no, way nicer. You, Scott, yes. you say talking, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I think yeah. of it as even more aggressively than just talking. I feel like from a dating perspective, it's people that are getting a one night stand. <laughs> you know, they're like walking yeah. up to them and like, hey, you, yeah, yeah, come yeah, here. Yeah. Pop you on the booty. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Woo, baby. Yeah. Exactly. Forget dating. <laughs> and we're going to so make a judgment based on that limited information. Yeah. No, no, we need to see. And these are magic words. Everybody should write down that I'm going to talk about in ERE. See, hear, and experience proof of fit. So I want to see the quality of that person's skills. I want to hear 
how that individual is going to fit into the culture. And I want to experience whether or not they can do the job I need done. If I see, hear, and experience, that's better than a tell, sell, and swell any day. And that's what we're going to be covering in the uh, session I'm doing at uh, ERE this year. So do you think that resumes in their current format are still valid or do you think they're outdated at this point? I think they are valid, but they are also like the outside of a box of a product. I mean, how many of us have bought products where it looks so good on the outside, but we open it up and we take a bite of whatever it is and we're like, oh, that tastes terrible because they packaged it perfectly. And what's on the inside really wasn't all that great. Resumes are a great tool for choosing who to take to the next step. But we have to remember they were written by a person was doing the tell, sell, and swell on a piece of paper. So it is just but one indicator mm-hmm. whether or not we should proceed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then there's still that you've probably heard these statistics, D, that 70 or 80% of resumes have at least one lie on them. Yeah, probably more than I, that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's true. I don't know, you know if anybody's measured it lately, but based on what I see out there in the world, it's true. You're listening to StaffingStartup.tv. Be sure to connect with us on YouTube to catch the live video footage of the show. I think resumes are definitely um, an opportunity. It definitely gives people an opportunity to to um, put blemishes on, or not blemishes, that's not the word I'm looking for, but to, to just lie. Yeah, it gives them an opportunity to make themselves seem a lot better until they get into the interview and then they realize this is not even who you, know, who you are. And I think that probably from a recruiting perspective is more frustrating than anything. Um, how do you- Hey, Dee. Yeah. Dee, can I just jump in? I, I, since you you uh, did the one night stand, I get I want to have a little fun here. As one of my hiring managers I work with, says resumes are often like polishing a turd. <laughs> he says, you know, if you polish a turd, it's still a turd. Okay. And unfortunately, if you just look at the resume, you're just seeing the description and not the real thing. You can't polish a turd. And and, and he's dealt with a lot of turds and in interviewing. <laughs> you know, you can't. A turd's a turd. A bad candidate's a bad candidate. And even, you know, they may be a good person. They're just a bad fit. For that so role. So got to be very careful and remember that it's their best self that they're putting forward on that piece of paper. Yeah. And the thing is, oh, so I got to ask you another question. This is not in the, okay. So what do you think about the fact that um, I saw on LinkedIn recently that companies over a million positions were posted last year that didn't have education requirements and it did mm-hmm. not have, ex- uh, I guess, experience. Experience? Uh, you didn't have to have experience, no experience necessary. Uh, what do you think about that? I, I think a, a lot of organizations are struggling with figuring out how to draw in talent. And, and they're doing things as a result of that that are not always prudent. Uh, you know, look, uh, this is a two-way street. I think companies and individuals forget something is this is like a marriage. Yeah. And so if this marriage is going to work, we both need to come into it company and candidate with eyes wide open. So we, we as humans tend to go to extremes. We go to the extreme of asking for too many details or too many qualifications. And notice that the pendulum is swinging the other direction. This I believe is a sign of just how desperate organizations are to find talent that they're going to all kinds of links, including, you know, stripping away tons of, of, of criteria. 
But the end result is, is they're being flooded by a lot of people who don't fit and then having to sift through that and waste lots of time. So I'm not surprised. It's not, those are not statistics I had seen, but I'm also not surprised by them because companies are so struggling to find enough quality people to fill their jobs. Struggling is not even the word. The Corn Ferry did their talent crunch report and they were talking about over just in the financial space. Um, over 1.3 trillion of unrealized revenue we will lose yeah. in the United States because of the lack of talent. That was just in the finance space. That didn't include technology. Yeah. It didn't include telecommunications. It didn't include manufacturing or healthcare. That was just yeah. finance. So yeah. it, I'm not it, surprised. It, it's a major crunch going on right now. And with 19,000 eight, I think it's 19,008 staffing agencies or something else out there. I am on this mission, Scott, because I feel like we have to play a different role. Like it's, it, we have to play a different role and, and, and not the same role that we've been playing because more, Amen. more important. I think the biggest reason for me is baby boomers are retiring. You know, we're getting older. The millennials are coming in and their mindset is totally different. And even with you were saying the whole idea about the marriage, and I totally get that. I don't even think millennials want to get married. I, I think they are looking for a, a relationship, a long-term relationship, but I don't think they're interested in marriage because for me and my thought process, marriage is a, a, an extended period of time. And for them, you know, in particular, they're in jobs three years and they're already ready to move to their next space. Right. So not like when we were growing up and everybody was there for 20 years. Right. So marriage for me seems so strong when we're talking about a set of people who don't value, don't even value marriage in its traditional sense. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully, but I know you've talked to millennials. I ask about, are you having children? Are you getting there? Like, ill? no. Why would I bring a child in this world? Or why would I, you know what I'm saying? So they just have a totally different mindset. How do we connect with a generation that doesn't believe in quote unquote marriage from an employment perspective that believes that, um, you know, that is more driven towards what's going on with the company is actually doing from a community focused um, focus. And, um, you know, how do we just engage millennials and keep them in this process? Is there a secret sauce or do we continue to do the same thing? Like, how does that work? Uh, I will give everybody a mantra that they should live by when it comes to connecting with millennials or connecting with anybody. And the mantra is this, say little, ask a lot. I love it. Say little, ask a lot, which basically means there is an 80-20 principle here. That means you're doing 80% of the listening, they're doing 80% of the talking, which means we must be asking better questions. Why is that? Well, everything is a bit of a sell these days. You know, if you want a millennial to come work for you, that is a sales pitch. If you want somebody to stay engaged in your company, that's another sales pitch. Here's the thing I know about sales. Buyers always believe themselves, but may or may not believe you. So buyers always believe themselves, may or may not believe you. So let's let the better salespeople sell. So if we want millennials to sell themselves on long-term careers, 
They're the best people to sell themselves on that. We must be asking them the questions about what is it they need? What is it they're looking for? What makes them happy? What makes them sad? What keeps them engaged? What excites them? What pushes them? What is the thing that you know scares them that we can help them overcome? Just those sets of questions. Number one is they're talking it through. They believe everything they say. Yeah. Number two, they're sitting there going, gosh, he or she cares enough to be asking me these questions. Yeah. And as they're talking themselves into the idea that, yes, I may get my needs met here because this person's hearing them. And then if I act upon them, they're selling themselves and I'm just sitting there listening. It, it, D, I wish I'd known this at the beginning of my career because I talked way too much. I did what I call the verbal vomit. I was spewing words all over people. I know that's gross. Sorry. When I started this say little, ask a lot mindset as a leader, my leadership changed. Yeah. People wanted to work for me because they knew I cared. I cared enough to ask and then act upon what they said. Now, I can't give everybody everything they want. Right. Sometimes I have to tell them, I can't help you. Let me help you move on to somewhere else. But there's a win, too, because they would have left anyway. But now they're a raving fan because I did right by them. And guess who's going to be referring people to me? Yeah. As leaders, this is how we should be behaving. we got to remember that we're not the better salespeople when it comes to selling people and coming to work for us and staying to work for us. They are. If we say little, we ask a lot. We're going to win a lot more than we lose the battles to keep good people and keep them engaged. And that goes for everything. And I'm I'm like how you used to be. And I'm still kind of that way now, to be honest with you. Um, but I agree with you. And it's not just once you get them in the door, but from a staffing perspective, your sales process should be solely Really, same thing you said, more question-based um, yep. from your recruiting perspective yep. the same way. And, and even fully dealing with your staff internally uh, to support them as you were just speaking about. So that's really awesome. Scott, what can our listening audience do to support you and your growth journey? Ooh, what can you do? <sighs> oh, I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, so, you know, I wrote this book so that, that um, well, this is my legacy. You know, I don't plan on going anywhere, anywhere soon, but this is the book I always wanted to write. And I wanted it so that people would have a tool, whether they ever met me or not, to engage in faster staffing, faster hiring, more efficient job filling than ever before. So certainly, please share the book with your colleagues and your friends. You're giving the gift of faster hiring. The other thing I I would, would say is keep engaging with people like D and I. You know, we... We do well because you tell us what you need. And and so I welcome your engagement with me on social media. I'm I'm on all the different sites. And and I encourage you not just to follow, but to engage, because that helps me be better. Uh, I'm I'm learning every day. You know, every time I implement this process at some company around the world, I learn something from those people because every set of circumstances is different. Right. So let's, if people stay engaged by buying the book, engaging on social media, sharing it with their friends, but engaging with us. Yes. That makes my career, it makes it more interesting because as, as you all saw today, you know, people like Dee and I love having conversations with interesting people. Yes. Where can we find you? Where can we hang out with you? You can hang out if you go to scottwintrip.com. You will find me there. You'll find my videos. You'll find my blog. It's a great place to get started. Tons of free resources. And I I invite you to make great use of it. 
Awesome. The link is in the box below and in the podcast notes. Scott, you've been absolutely phenomenal. Will you come back? Because I know you're going to be at ERE in October. I'm going to try to make it there. But will you come back after ERE and talk to us again? I would love to, Dee. As long as as long as we can do a little more church and a little more hallelujah and <laughs> amen, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. That's awesome. Guys, we have been blessed with the presence of Scott Wintrip, who is just as passionate about recruitment and staffing as you and I. He's someone that we want to celebrate. So when you get a chance, first do me a favor and go to Amazon and get a copy of his book. As you can see, I have posty notes all through it. So you know that it's serious business for me to posty note, right? Um, second, definitely support Scott in all his endeavors. If you're going to be at ERE, please check out his um, his talk, his discussion, because it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. I am here to support each and every one of you in every, any way that I can to help you not just launch your staffing business, but to do it in the right way and to do it in a way where you're really becoming a, a value to both your clients and your candidates as well as yourself. So I appreciate you listening to today's podcast. We'll be back next week. My name is Dee Williams. I am your host. Thank you so much for being here and listening. Bye. (laughs) Bye, Scott. Thanks for listening to the StaffingStartup.tv podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like more information on any of our stories or would like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at StaffingStartup.tv. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and please leave a five-star rating and a super awesome review so others can enjoy the show too. Check out the live video footage on YouTube. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.